Forever Classic. Bing! Welcome to the Forever Classic Podcast. This is Joe, one of your excellent hosts, and I'm joined by even more excellent host, Alex and Zach. How you guys doing? Hey, man. How is things over there in the warmth? <laughs> things are great down south uh, from the great north. Things are fantastic over here near the coast. I bet. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Mere... I mean, I've woke up with frost, but then, you know, by midday, it's like almost 80. <laughs> A mere two hours south of Alex, it is <laughs> 20 degrees warmer. Yep. Something like that. I live in a winter wonderland in the the icy wastelands of Minnesota. <laughs> Did you guys like my startup sound? Yeah. Like if if we were a video game console, we gotta Ooh, have a startup sound. That's a really good way to try to get an <laughs> asset for that. Actually, just yes. make us the PlayStation sound effect, but different. <laughs> well, what would? Let's hear your versions. I got nothing. That's <laughs> You guys are terrible. I'm trying to start a good bit here, and you guys are pooping all over it. Done. <laughs> Crisp. <laughs> just c- crack a beer, but it has to be a specific beer. Zach sound is just sucking on a vape. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't, I don't know what I would call our our sound. I mean, the first thing that pops into my head would be like classic, like some sort of like gamey spritey sound like you know but like oh. not anything in particular and then it's like, got the like bit crunch effect on it yeah then like that crunch like sound effect to end it just we should just make our like voice synthesizer from like the nes synths or something and just like really press that sample down <laughs> i've really really thought about buying a talk box I was thinking about just startup sounds the other day. I'm like, what would our startup sound be? And uh, we need more assets. That's what I. That's so what I came up with with, with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> just this sort of pleasant. For I, I ponder a lot on two things: our new game screen sound mm. and our lobby sound. Mm. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of opportunity. There's a, a couple of people I've flagged on Twitter where I'm like, when I have the opportunity. Maybe you're on the commission list because I really like some of the work I see out there. Artists are incredible. I love artists. They're pretty good. <laughs> you know what's also pretty good? Our Ooh. writers. Yeah. Writers are pretty good. I'm a writer. I'm pretty good. I like to think. Anywho. How, how, how should people support writers? Oh, man. There's a lot of different ways. But in today's economy, the best way is to just make a donation directly. And you can do that through a lot of different ways through us here at Forever Classic Games. You can hit our tipping services, which are at the bottom of pretty much every writer's bio. So if you're reading an article and you're like, you know what, that was pretty good. I'm going to toss them a fiver. You can you can do that. Most of our writers have either a PayPal or something equipped. Forever Classic has a PayPal. We have a Patreon that is in desperate need of revamping. But we have some priorities that are taking hold right now. And then also, if you want to just send us an email about some sort of inquiry, or if you want to get your game reviewed, or if you want, you know, have some news for us or whatever, hit us up at contact at foreverclassicgames.com, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. Excellent, as always, Alex. Thank you for letting us, for letting people know how they can support us and what we do here. Hey, this is why we pay me the big bucks. (laughs) The big zero. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we all get nothing <laughs> in fact we all spend a decent amount of money to be on, be a part of this 
Yeah, less than most, which is but great. But it's, it's a fun hobby, at least, to get together yeah. and... I it's, guess. it's really an excuse for us to get together every couple weeks and just hang out. <laughs> yeah, why why spend, you know, 20 bucks a week at the bar getting together when I can we can pay one monthly fee to Riverside and record a podcast every other week. Mhm. Sounds good. Sounds like a good deal to me. Oh yeah. So, uh you know what else sounds like a good deal? Peeking at geeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything for it. <laughs> you were really, you were really swinging, hoping I'd make the connect for you. Every now and again, you just got to pick up that baseball bat and go for it, man. And just crack it against something and hope, <laughs> hope it's a home run. Do you know it's probably a home run? Peaking John Wick Four. <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, us about it, yeah, man. That uh, that does bring us to the Geek Peak. Peek, peek. Peeking at them geeks. <laughs> Just a quick little look at the things that the three of us are into. There's one thing to share that, uh, you know, piqued our interest the most the last couple of weeks since our last recording. And uh, for me, I got to tell you, it was a real, real close running mm. against two movies I went and saw in the theaters. And I'm only going to talk about one. John Wick 4. Ooh, My very goodness. What a great movie. I It's been a few days since I've seen it, and I'm still like, what a what a fun movie-going experience. So how does that compare to the other three? Because so far, they're all great, but I would it's still consider still, the first one the best. I think the first one is the most intriguing and interesting, yeah. and then the rest of them is just sort of just like piling on top of that and expanding this world of... like. The best comparison I've made is watching John Wick 4 reminded me a lot of watching the final season of Hannibal. Hmm. It is so over-the-top pretentious in its presentation. It's like a stunt coordinator made an art film. <laughs> like, the words and language that they use, the artistic like shots and lighting that they provide to it, and it's all... Com- sold completely serious completely like raw real drama and it is some of the most over-the-top nonsense f- like an awesome fight scenes and action sequences you've ever seen in a movie like in a, in a franchise and all four of them are fantastic if you have not seen the john wick movies and you like action movies you are missing out and one thing i noticed in watching this movie and this carries through from the first movie is every time John Wick throws something, I laugh. I don't know why, but there's just something so funny to me about this guy who's like a trained killer, who's just like super efficient, calculating, courting, sheer force of will, just taking down dudes with like martial arts and precision aiming with guns. And then he takes a gun and just full on hucks it into a guy's face. It never gets old. Uh, it's but, it's hilarious and guns are scary heavy sometimes. <laughs> True, it um, would it would hurt like a sumbitch. But like there's there's a there's a part in John Wick Four where he picks up a weapon. He picks up two of them actually, and I'm like, oh, the, no way they're gonna do they're gonna do this. I want I don't I don't want to spoil nothing for anybody. But he takes one of them and just chucks it, and I just laughed. I was the only person <laughs> in the theater who laughed, which I felt a little bad about, but. 
the fact that he he has these two weapons and the first instinct he has is to just beam someone in the face with one of them is so funny Um, but there's also just like a really satisfying like ending to it like john wick 4 ends really well i think and uh donnie yen's character is is that the guy who played (laughs) it man yeah 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 Yeah. dude those movies are cool too those are so good but chun keeps showing up and stuff (laughs) but yeah donnie yen's character is great he's great and i'm glad they they gave him a chance to really shine in this movie um but yeah there's just like you know the final season of hannibal is like they they're in europe chasing hannibal lecter and they're going to like art museums and everything's over the top pretentious. They're drinking wine and everything's high society and artsy fartsy. And John wick four is that, but people are getting hit by cars. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. What about you, Alex? What, what's, what's, what's your geek peak? I mean, speaking of crazy over the top action heroes, uh, one of the classics is back. Leon Scott Kennedy. Dude, Resident Evil 4 is awesome, and I'm kind of bummed that I haven't had the chance to, like, finish it, but I kind of love the fact that I haven't finished it, because there's still more game for me to play. I've put, like, 20 hours into it, and I'm still, like, in the castle. (laughs) It's such an improvement. Well, improvement's maybe not the right word for it. It's such a cool title in the series, if you're a fan of all these remakes, or if you're just a fan of the original or just generally like this is not a, it's it's a good starting point for fans. It's got everything you would want in it. It's the complexity of everything. It's got tons of replay value. Like Resident Evil 4 is absolutely one of the coolest games on the PS5 right now. And I cannot recommend it enough, especially if you love that first one. Oh, you've been playing it on PS5? I have, and it's it's awesome. The 3D audio is exceptionally cool. That oh, might man. be one of the biggest um, improvements to it as well because using the 3D audio and this is the same for Resident Evil 2 remake you can really figure out like not only where enemies are but you can kind of start picking out like a lot of different atmosphere details and it's it's really cool how they added a stealth element into this so I could like use sound to figure out exactly where people were sneak up behind them and maybe take out one early or something yeah like, uh, one video I saw they heard an enemy through a wall Mm-hmm. So when they went through the door, they knew to look for something, and there was a, there was somebody hiding inside of a closet and came yep. out, and they were ready to like take them out because they could hear them as they passed by the wall breathing. And I was like, oh, that's did, that's pretty cool. Did you buy it physically? I did not. I I got it digitally because it was like it's one of those situations where I just wanted to start playing as soon as po- as possible to okay. try to get a review out there. Of course, that didn't go through because the game is huge <laughs> and I moved uh, recently. So that's been top of, of mind. And basically, okay. if I'm not working, I'm rearranging stuff in our new plays. Yeah, otherwise I was, I'd say uh, I'd love to check it out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I recommend. Uh, we were also, even though we didn't get that early access review copy, the, the folks running the PR did send me a Steam copy. So once I actually like get through the PS5 version, I'm going to test it out on Steam Deck, uh, figure out what the PC, ver- PC version feels like, because I have really enjoyed these remakes on PC a little more than consoles, which is weird for me. But just the, <laughs> the way you shoot with it, it works really well on a mouse and keyboard. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. With the Steam Deck, it'd be interesting to see how the motion controls with the accelerometer. Yeah, just I like haven't with tried the any of that. Switch. 
Because mm-hmm. mm, the be Wii cool. is like one. If you're not so, if you're into Resident Evil Four, one of the the best versions people will tell you is the Wii version. It's so good. And I desperately await the PSVR two version of this remake because I think it's going to be incredible. But uh, with the with the Steam Deck, it reminds me mostly of like the Wii U gamepad. Yeah. And playing Twilight Princess HD with the motion tracking for like dialing in your shots with the bow was felt yep. so good. And if they can, if that translates well to like a Resident Evil Four experience. I could see that being super enjoyable to dialing in those shots. And even more doubly so, just like in the Wii version, if something scares you <laughs> you're, and you jump, <laughs> you're missing those shots. The But generally, I've had Resident Evil on the brain for the past, like, four weeks. And I did recently get the Steam Deck, which Joe knows because I sent it to his place because yep. I was moving. Uh, so I have the Steam Deck. I downloaded pretty much all of the remakes because I own them on Steam. And I also recently got a CRT, so I've got my GameCube versions of the Resident Evil titles hooked up there. So <laughs> I will be playing a lot of Resident Evil in the coming Hell weeks. Yeah. And is it something I can stream? We'll see. <laughs> I'm set up to do it here. But if that's something people are interested in, just let us know in the Discord or something. Sweet, dude. I'm glad you're really enjoying that game. I know you were excited about it, so I'm glad to hear that it's meeting expectation, especially since it seemed like 3 fell a little flat for you. It did. Um, three was just really different. I didn't play the original, but it, it was like I finished it in maybe five hours and there wasn't hardly much to do in the replay, which is funny because when I talked to Reese about this, he felt the opposite. He's like, I loved doing the like time trials and finding the collectibles and stuff in uh, RE3. But for me, I, I want those like extra modes. I want the extra characters, the new guns. That's what I look for. And typically Resident Evil provides so it's awesome yeah. to see that they went back to that for four. And it and it seems like with the with the re- remake of four, they sort of like use player knowledge against them. So people who know the In game parts. really well, mm-hmm. they'll change like one thing. And they mess with player expectation exceptionally well. There's a, a moment where this is not even like a comparison point. Like I was just sneaking up on a guy and as I was sneaking up to him, he he walked around this other route but behind a pillar was a second guy that I didn't know about, and so he hit me, and then the, you know everything went to shit. <laughs> but it was a it's it's a really cool experience, especially if you're like deeply familiar with those games, because they extend certain parts, they change up a couple things here and there to make things more enjoyable, or they add a different puzzle or whatever. M- makes it feel fresh for even veteran players, yes. which is cool by That's a long, nice. really large margin. And the one knock I have against it right now, as far as <clears> like compared to the original is I was deeply terrified of the the wolves in the first Resident Evil 4 remake. I thought you were about to complain about Ashley's jorts. No, but so the wolves were, they look very similar to the dog that you save in the beginning of the game in the original Resident Evil 4. So so. whenever you first are confronted with the wolves, you're like, it just looks like a regular dog, but he's mad. And then it cracks open and all these tentacles and stuff come out. And so my first encounter with the wolves is one of the most memorable horror moments in my entire gaming career. Uh, Now they are, they're more challenging as far as how they move and how they attack, but they just don't look as scary because they look more monstrous, which is strange because I like the fact that it looked like a normal thing turning into a monster. Now it just always looks like a monster. Yeah, it's one of those things where if it started monstrous... And changes, and you're like, oh well, that's not that's not. 
I can take this out. It's not really a threat to me. But if yeah. it's like takes a normal thing and transforms it, then you're like, ooh, this could this could be me. It really like the original design played with our perceptions of anatomy, like as far as a right. dog or a wolf is concerned. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, this one's got a weird silhouette. If you looked at the model, and it wouldn't spoil anything for you, like it is definitely different, and it is just not nearly as scary. Hmm. Other designs are very scary though, so it kind of balances out. But that's the one area where I'm like, eh, that was better in the original. But that's like the one instance so far. Shall we uh, move the camera over, pan on over, take a peek at Zach's geek? Mm. Mine is that I built a computer. So we built Did you toasts. build PC4? Because I watched John Wick 4. Alex played Resident Evil 4. So please tell me you built PC4. I be I built PC half of 4. Oh. <laughs> well, you Synergy. built a PC4. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, someone. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yes. So we got so we there. Built, we did yeah, it. So we, we did it, boys. Roll credits. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, so we built Toast PC finally over this past week. Uh, we Sick. had a power supply issue where it just started and then just died. That is a terrifying problem mm-hmm. because you don't know until you replace it whether or not it also screwed up other things. Yeah, I was real big worried. But uh, it was fine. Uh, there was a Best Buy down the road that had a thousand watt power supply, so I just rolled down yeah, the road. You and unfortunately it. need those bigger supplies now with the newer graphics card. I had to upgrade mm. when I upgraded from the twenty sixty to the thirty seventy. Yeah, I have a I I'd, I'd future proofed myself apparently, and I have a thousand watt in my current one. Nice. It's only a bronze eighty, but you know, still it's a fucking thousand watt, and I didn't think that that was important until recently. Mm. Yeah, it's unusual that you went that far because. It, it's a little I'm running overkill. A, I'm running, yeah, I'm running a 1050. It doesn't even require its own power. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go to change, I'm going to have to take it apart and clean it, like give it some good cleaning. And I'm probably going to put that into my new unit and use the 850 that we had had. We just sent it back for a replacement. Mm, nice. Uh, and use it as this computer's new power supply because it doesn't need even 850. <laughs> Right. Do you have enough um, parts left over to build like a uh, like a server rig for like Minecraft or something? Um what I was actually going to do cuz I'm I mean all my shit's pretty much out of date in the computer. It's I mean I I built it with older parts in 2017, 18. <laughs> um so I'm just looking at completely buying a new set. And that's coming okay. from the fact that I didn't get paid for a month when I when I first got my newer promotion for work. Because oh. they paid an old pay card. That because seems there was problematic. A bunch of, yeah, but I forgot it existed. I oh, put no. it in my fucking wallet and I let the card like completely expire. So I just got a replacement and was like, oh yeah, there's like fucking four grand on this card. I might as well, you know. So back yeah. to the PC. What uh, What's the goal <laughs> with that? Are we, we playing some Destiny 2? Like, what are we doing with it? That was the big goal is right okay. now we got it. We got it hooked up, running, everything smooth. But she has a 4K, t- or 4K TV, so uh-huh. she wanted to be able to do something in 4K, and that being Destiny. We're just having the problem with, it doesn't really recognize it very well when we rec- like run it as a TV and won't let the like aspect ratios be right, but when we tell it to recognize it as a monitor, it works fine. Hmm, but yeah. we can't use HDR. TVs hmm. are super weird when it comes to being used as a monitor. 
um, there are some settings that you might be able to turn off in the TV, some progressive scan stuff or whatever that might help it register or we don't have any of that. Oh. oh, yeah. TVs are all like it really depends on the brand of the TV and how it receives signals and all that stuff. And it can really not it's, be a, a frustrating it, it, experience <laughs> using a TV with a PC. It's a little wild when we had it working for like a minute. It uh, the collar depth in it was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it was so fucking good. Um, and that's that's what we wanted was to be able to play, not have loading hell anymore. And, you know, slowly move ourselves into PC gaming space, because at this point, like, we have a group of friends, but most of the stuff we play with them is cross-play. And with Mm -hmm. the advent of them being able to open parties from Discord and PS5 together, we can still just sit and chat and not have to use PlayStation. So Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. And this is... We we finally got to test it, and it was really, really, really simple. And you've built PCs before, right? Yeah, I built mine that I'm using now. I haven't touched it in fucking years because it didn't really need anything other than a RAM addition. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, other than that, like, they're they're easy to put together. A little confusing for some new stuff. Mostly me just being like, I don't want to fucking touch anything with my bare hands. <laughs> Nothing. That brings us to our topic for today's episode. Oh, my. Movement in video games is mm-hmm. exceptionally important for most games. It's arguable that maybe less important in like a puzzle game or something. But moving from point A to point B, whether it's from the start of a level to the end of a level or across an open world map, how you get from point A to point B is super important because move simply moving is one of the most important aspects of the gameplay. So how do you how do you make that fun how do you make that interesting and exciting and engaging Mm -hmm. and so today we're going to talk about video game traversal and our highlights and our favorite modes of transportation in video games and games that have and particularly maybe even certain studios that have really nailed down enjoyable movement and travel in video games and while this discussion is really more geared towards like our perception of it uh, it's not necessarily something that we would point to as like game dev advice, except for the fact of like, here's some things that are really cool that you might want to emulate because even the simplest of jumps is a whole calculation of like inertia and movement. Like right. just Sonic's jump alone is such an interesting thing to dissect like piece by piece and see and the then, code and how it all moves. And, and then even comparing incredible. it to Mario's movement and jump, right. both are fun and enjoyable but mm-hmm. for very different reasons. And peop- there's a lot of games that did it bad, didn't get it, despite right. the fact that they came out after both Sonic and Mario. Like, like movement is, what I'm saying is movement is a very hard thing to do right. in game dev from what I've gathered, and I have a ton of respect for people that nail it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not easy, but it is important. Yes. So it's like, but I thought it'd be a fun topic uh, to kind of dig into because I was uh, playing a game recently and I was like, man, just moving in this game is pretty fun. And like, what other games make moving travel fun? Because I was playing Sunset Overdrive and you spend a lot of time just grinding on rails and power lines (laughs) and the edges of buildings and bouncing off of cars and bushes and like doing alley oops off of 
light poles and stuff in that game because the whole point is to constantly be in motion while you're taking out like the zombies that are chasing you. And I was just like, man, this this movement is so slick and so fun because as you're moving, just getting from point A to point B, you're trying to strategize your route, you know, staying on this path, staying on this rail grind. If I jump here, I can bounce off of that car, hit that grind for a little bit, and then hop off to the other side of the building, bounce off that on- awning onto the that third rail and get to my <laughs> destination. And just the movement is fun enough that I don't really even consider the fast travel options. Mm, right. And yep. there's definitely been a few games like that where just moving around is fun enough that even though fast travel exists, the only time I did it was to get the achievement. Right. And we're going to cover a lot, a really broad range of, of different movement types from across gaming's history, because that's how we do it here at Forever Classic Games. Uh, <laughs> but there's definitely, like, there's so many games that we won't be able to cover that have incredible movement. And if you have one that's really notable, get in touch with us, because we'd love to see it. Because I, I personally have always loved movement in games as well, um, especially the, like, mastery of these movements, yeah. right? And things like quake where people are bunny hopping and just cruising through levels at top speeds like yeah that is fascinating to me manipulating systems in unintended ways to create new forms of movement is interesting Mm -hmm. too but just even like i would say a studio that's really nailed it down for me anyway is insomniac like they have really i think that might be where they start with some of their games is because every game I play, I'm just like, man, just getting around is so good. Yeah, and e- that's like been a core part of their entire experience, I would argue. Because Spyro is one of their earlier titles, and I yeah. love just running around as a little dragon. Like it feels, and I think that was kind of what they were going for. That I've seen in like various documentaries and stuff is they wanted to get down a four-legged character. Not many and had it been worked. done before. Mm-mm. No, and it, it worked super well, and you know that carries through with the remakes that are also exceptionally well made. Yep. What are some of the like standout things for you guys? What what games have tra- like traversal options that really stood out to you and made you go, "Wow, every game that is in this vein should really try to do something similar or think about it in this vein from now on." Um. So, I mean, for me, like, jumping on the same topic I was on earlier, like, Destiny's got a bunch of weird movement in it. So each of the characters have a unique feel for how they move. You know, Titan's got basically, like, leg boosters. Warlocks have this funky little jump glide where you just glide until you stop. But it's not as good as, like, an accurate kind of jump control as, like, a Titan has. And then a Hunter just has hops. They just, like, basically have air double jump or triple jump if you have a special boot on. But with the addition of Lightfall, they added Strand, and one of the base Strand powers for every class gets this, uh, your quote-unquote grenade power is a grapple. And Hmm. you can grapple enemies with it, so you pull yourself to them and you can punch them real hard, which is fantastic. Uh, But you can just grapple to the air and make an anchor out of nothing and swing yourself. So that seems really similar to kind of what they implemented in Monster Hunter Rise, how you could yes. like pin it to the air because you had the bug and then you could swing from that point rather than being restricted to like certain physical locations. Yeah. Now, for most like so generally you have 
one use of it until your grenade recharges, and then you can do it again. But then you get, like, options, like with the Hunter class specifically, because once they make a tether anchor, and you grapple from it, that anchor stays there. Oh. And if you, like, they have some powers that you can stack with your class, and when you grapple an anchor that's already made, you get your grenade energy refunded. So you do something to where you get two grenades and then you use one to create the point and you keep grappling that point and it keeps refunding your energy and you build up Mm. your second one and then you can make another new anchor point somewhere else and repeat and you can basically infinitely climb with this. I have seen people get into some wacky places on Twitter and D2 so far. Yeah, there's a there's a really hard spot that's been around for a couple years uh, called the galaxy pools. It's like an unused asset. And you have to do, like, three different, like, out-of-bounds, like, techniques that are hard to string together to, like, weasel your way into a place you're not supposed to get and get <laughs> up so high that the, the game just kind of pulls you into a new zone. Hmm. And then you're just in this floating platform with a pool in it overlooking a galaxy. And there's nothing else. You're just... That you're, just you're a there. cool place to have a beer. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like prestigious for people who like to like get out of bounds because getting there was really hard before. Cause you had to do like the sparrow fly trick where you jump up in the air, get on your sparrow and rotate it 90 degrees. And it would like swing you upwards slightly. And you could do that two or three times, jump off, use your jump, resummon your sparrow and repeat. And you would do this weird fly that was extra technical. But now you can do it with Strand, with, like, the Hunter, specifically a lot easier. It still takes forever because it's a fucking long way out. Like, way the fuck out of bounds. Um, But it's really, really cool. And then you get other things, like, pre this and still with it. um, People who do, who find ways to move faster. So, like, on computer, they have, typically the classes have, like, a high jump, a strafey jump, where you can kind of move around a little easier. But then they have one... That's uh, at least for the Titans called catapult jump. So you get an initial burst of a jump until your feet touch the ground again, but you don't go as high or far in control. Hmm. But you can make a macro on the computer to where it will just every time you tap it, it'll do the double tap. So you get two quick catapults and can touch the ground. And then every time you tap the button, you're doing this like faster and faster and faster and faster than you can do it with your hands. So you're like skipping just. So it, it's it's an evolution of the bunny hop and quake. Yeah, it's it's a catapulting bunny hop, and it's cool. hilarious. But then they've also taken that to a couple more levels with other class like abilities and swords, because swords give you a little bit of a lunge. Mm-hmm. So they have some things where you can do this like you start to do a technique that will like propel you into like a down slam, but using your sword at the right time with it freaks out the system so instead of slamming down you swing the sword with all that momentum and launch out Whoa. and i mean fucking launch launch cool so people use it instead of having to traverse like really long parts of things where it's like okay we have to get all the way around this big chasm by like going through these puzzles and this wall and this like jumpy section and they're like fuck it Fuck those going right puzzles. here and i'm launching my ass all the way across this whole fucking circle with my sword Hand me my yeehaw sword. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you get so much momentum, like, you have to control your end. Like, you have to use that ability and actually slam the ground at the end safely, or you hit the wall and die because you're going so fast. (laughs) But back to your original strand thing, I think that there are a few things cooler than a grappling hook in a video game. Especially when you have, like, good freedom. 
adding a grappling hook instantly makes your game better if you do it right. I would agree with that in a sense that, like, modern games have have implemented it so much better. Like, mm -hmm. back in the day, playing, like, Ocarina of Time or even, like, Twilight Princess, when you get the grappling hook... You just kind of zip from one place to to another. But it's certain points and things that, Mm -hmm. like, you're pretty limited in what it is. But you get, like, the, the... the grapple in uh, Monster Hunter Rise where you can sort of just chain it a couple of ways and use it as an additional dodge. Yep. And you can, like, gather resources to get a bonus one for a little bit so you can have three or four instead of just two. And, like, they really open up the world a lot with some of the more recent Monster Hunters. Um, And the movement in Rise is... Not only do you get the the grappling hook, but you get to ride your dog. Yep. And you get to ride monsters. Yep. Like they did so many movement changes in Rise to just speed up getting to the monsters that it, it's a little bit insane now how fast you can just like fly across the map to get places. Yeah, if you understand movement systems, there's a lot you can pull off in, in Monster Hunter. But one of the, the more recent things that... The main reason I even played this game, I would argue, because Halo Infinite came out. Me and Zach had a rip-roaring time with it at first. (laughs) And the reason that I was so compelled with it was because of the grappling hook. That's a fun grappling hook. It really was. That thing was really silly. also introduce some sort of grapple hook? There's a... You can upgrade your super shotgun to get a grappling hook. You can't just, like, hit it onto points. You hit it onto enemies. And so you basically pull yourself to the enemy. And there's a couple different... Interesting movement. I thought there was a platforming thing where you would like launch yourself or like get to. I don't think you use the grappling hook for for platform, but it's been a hot minute since I've played Doom Eternal, and I I love that game. It's so so cool. One of these days, I'll revisit it for all the DLC stuff that I just didn't get around to. Yeah. So before we take off entirely, I really want to share the two fun things about the strand grapple that I remembered as we were finishing. One was the fact that it can grapple two things that move. Mm. So you can shoot a rocket and grapple to your rocket and just oh, ride shit. it. Oh, <laughs> shit. Because it, it won't go away until the rocket explodes. You just are just like hung on to it just like, yeah! Fuck. That is some Halo stuff if I ever did see. That's awesome. <clears throat> and to build off of that, you can anchor to your buddy who's also doing it and just make this anchor line just fucking eating through the air. This is... Uh... <laughs> What Fast and the Furious movie is it where they like grapple Turn the, the car helicopter? Into a... <laughs> oh, it was one of the more recent ones. Yeah, and like they've got like six cars trailing and trying to keep this helicopter from taking yeah. off. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and then the other movie. thing, some people found out they got on top of like a big open tower and stood in a triangle and grappled each other. Because it pulls you, it started to make them go into this infinite circle. Just <laughs> 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 But there's a lot of boomer shooters that have grappling hooks that are really good. I referenced this in the anime episode, but there's that one Attack on Titan game that was a fan game on Unity that had a very cool grappling system that was, like, unique for the time. Yeah, I remember that. That thing was, it looked really fucking weird and was very creepy at the time because those Titans looked really, really, really disturbing. God, those mechanics were sick, though. It was, like, some of the best just movement mechanics I've ever seen in like a fan game. And, and so generally I think grappling hooks are very cool. Yeah, I would agree. And like, you think about like classic games, like you would recognize a point in like 
Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, and you're like, mm-hmm. how do I get over there? And then you get the grapple hook, and you're like, holy crap, I can get over there now. And you go back, and you're reminded, like, some but of that I reveal of information. love how versatility has been an aspect of the grappling hook since, you know, we've evolved past Zelda zipping you from one end to the other. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of a similar thought to the grappling hook, jetpacks and flight. Yes. In games. Love a jetpack. Like, despite Anthem not being an overall very good game, I thought the flight mechanics were pretty fun. Yeah. But you, you tried Anthem? I didn't even try it. Yeah, me and a few friends either. picked it up and we, we played a good 15, 20 hours in it and had a good time with it. Like playing with friends was pretty fun. There just okay. was no hmm. plans for continued content beyond that and the combat kind of got a grew a little stale but yeah. the flight was pretty fun each class flew a little differently like the big bulk tank was like a oh, bit sure. chunkier and like flew a little slower and then there's a little zippy one that could like do dodges and stuff and it See, was really I like fun robots and shit i probably would have really liked that game in a, in a certain scenario and more recently i played the star ocean uh, mm. Divine Force, and that has a jetpack mechanic in it that you can use in combat to like boost yourself and do like power attacks into enemies. But you can also use it around the map, just unlimited, to give yourself glide boosts to travel across cool. a map in like to to get around or get up into higher places with like double and triple jumps. Like you only get a few seconds of like flight time each time you boost or use it, but it just like opened up what you could do in combat, in exploration. So you were constantly looking for places to go because there might be something up there for you to collect or get that might be useful. Um, And just in general, flying around is fun. It's cool. And when you have technology or some sort of thing in a game that you don't have access to in real life, you can sort of get that feel of it's sort of like the web right, slinging yeah. in Spider-Man, right? Like, oh, this feels so good. Like, oh, I'm Iron Man, or I've got a jetpack, or a, you know, a mech <laughs> or whatever flying around. This is awesome. I think the I've talked about this a couple times. I think with uh, Infernax, like there's there's a couple instances where a jetpack, when added to a game, completely changes the approach for the game. Like in Infernax, the first time you play through it, you're probably not using cheat codes or some of the the really cool replay stuff that's available in it. But once you get to the second playthrough and you get the jetpack, suddenly you can skip all the really annoying platforming sections. <laughs> and boy, does that incentivize just playing it again, because I was like, nah, I don't know if I want to play this again. And then it was like jetpack unlocked. And I'm like, well, that changes things. <laughs> yeah. Or even uh, in Mario Sunshine Flood. We yeah. get different capabilities or expanded capabilities with movement so in cool. that. Um, I know like the fact that you can shoot water and then slide faster anywhere is such a cool feature. Or get up higher when you got better capacity or whatever, like yeah. upgrade the flood. Uh, I know it's sort of a controversial take because there's a lot of people out there that hate flood. They hate the movement option options with flood. Like Mario doesn't need. Mario doesn't need extra tools to to get around. He's already the best, or whatever. And it's like I eh. don't know, man. It's sunshine. It's pretty, pretty cool. good for what it is. Sunshine's great. Is it? I think do I think it's the Game best Cube one? No, but it's still fun time. A lot of the GameCube era stuff is really getting a second life through things like you know speed runs and people going back and appreciating like the risks that a lot of that library took. There's some cool stuff in there. Yeah, and just in general, Mario's always been good about mixing up their movement 
Yes, like Mario in general. Things mm-hmm. like Yoshi. Yeah. Yep. Like, that Yoshi changed everything. When you can ride a little dinosaur and then abandon him on a big cliff? Love yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, and I think, uh, Zach, you've got this on your list, too, but, the like, the Tanuki suit? Uh-huh. That first time you figure out how to fly in Super Mario Brothers 3 feels so cool. You're like, oh, it man. It is very, I can... very, f- like, fulfilling. Yeah, I can do anything now. <laughs> and then you get above where you can see and you're like, oh, shit, there's a bunch of other shit here. Yeah. like That's oh. the really cool part is whenever you first fly and you suddenly realize there's more to the level. Yeah. It's not just limited to what's on screen right now like it had been right. maybe previous games or like there was nothing cluing you in to keep climbing up it was just if i fly up here what's here oh there's some clouds i can stand on there's an extra star there's an uh, you know a doorway to a secret level uh, i love games that reward curiosity and exploration that's why elden ring hit so hard for me elden ring breath of the wild with their mm-hmm. traversal options um, and fucking Elden Ring's traversal options are wild, especially with people using weapons. Yeah. Getting up onto places and being like, all right, I got a long ways to go and it's over there. Time to weapon combo in the air until I land where roughly I want to be. <laughs> or if I hit this rock in this spot here, it flings you 100 feet in the air for some reason. We don't know why. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. The fact that you can, and I really hope this is like easier to pull off in Tears of the Kingdom. All the different, like, stopping times and keeping momentum and redirecting things. Like, that is awesome. There is there is something so satisfying about doing the time stop, blasting it with a bunch of hits, climbing onto the rock, and then riding the rock across the land, and then Hanging leaping off of it, life. and then hang gliding. Yep. <laughs> uh, I've watched a fucking, a really funny TikTok clip. I don't remember what it was. It was like a bunch of people, a bunch of different game and anime characters got in a boat and everybody was trying to make the boat go faster. And Link was like, what are we trying to do? And they're like, we got to get there real quick. And he's like, oh, I got this. And he fucking like does the time stop and like stomps the shit out of the boat for like a long time. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? He was like, just hang on to stuff. And they're like, why? And he like releases it and they just fucking jet. And he's like hanging on to the mast and they're all like, ah! <laughs> But in Breath of the Wild, the fact that you can get super high in the air and then glide, there yeah. are a few things I love more than a glide in a video game, especially when the the environment lays itself out in a really pretty way. That's super cool. Yeah. Really gets yes. the lay of the land. And it's a bold choice, game design-wise. Like, we're mm-hmm. going to give players the ability and access to get up so high that they can see what we've made from pretty much every conceivable angle. Yep. And yep. they can approach it any way they really want to. Like that there is, you know, you look at something like Assassin's Creed back in the day and you could, mm-hmm. could climb on a t- tall tower and see a wonderful vista or view and get a lay of the land. But you still had to jump off that tower and walk your ass over to wherever it was you wanted to go. Yeah. Some of the later yeah. games I gliding know, eventually other, got it. Yeah. But that's still a scripted moment. Those were pre-planned points. And yeah. most of the modern yeah. games we see, you get those shots like anywhere. Right. And yep. you know, Which... Horizon Forbidden West introduced the glider right. as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh my gosh, that game. You That's gorgeous. You fly around on that thing and you're just like, oh my goodness. There's like it a pterodactyl so or something you could ride in that too. I never I played Forbidden West for like twenty minutes. I I don't know why, but 
for some reason those games don't grip me as well as some of the other ones. I'm so I just, very I don't far get in very it. Far. I'm in the end game and I need to just sit down and, and do it. Like I do so many freaking games where I'm like, I'm at 80% of the way. I'll take my B. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> B is a passing of, grade. Speaking of gliding. Yeah. I got to talk about Fortnite with gliding. Yeah. Okay. Fortnite gliding. Super cool. It's how you get into the game. You mm-hmm. drop out of the bus and you get to see the whole map. And, and you can you see where other people where... are trying to head too. Yeah, yeah. You if you got especially if you got the ass in your computer, you can see everybody land wherever they're gonna be. Until they're like completely out of renderable distance, period. Right. It, just dropping in is not the only time. You can build a tall tower, jump off the end of it in some modes and just glide. And then they have a bunch of other movement stuff you can stack with it. Like, you know, they have so many different gadgets. <laughs> Fortnite movement uh, has progressively gotten better and better and better, and it's really impressive the things they pull off. Yeah, uh, like, so one of my favorite movements in Fortnite's the baller. It's just a fucking gyro ball with a plunger gun on the end of it, <laughs> and it works like a grapple. So you're just, like, rolling this ball at fucking, you know, Mach fucking 5. <laughs> you grapple a tree, and you just bounce and swing yourself. Just, woo, it's like that hamster in Overwatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just you're just booking it, <laughs> That's like and cool. you can't take damage in it until it breaks. So you don't take damage, like you have almost no fear of it unless your ball breaks and you're really high in the air. Then you're boned. You hit the ground and die. Right. <clears throat> but otherwise, like you can use that thing to like bop yourself out of places and grapple your way around all sorts of weird shit. That's or just like hang on to something and like dangle. Just kind of be like, okay, <laughs> I'm a fruit now. Yeah. Nobody nobody can get me right here. I'm just going to stay still. Never I mind the man behind the ripe. bubble. <laughs> uh, but then they have things like, so they have bounce pad, yeah. crash pad, and jump pad, which are three confusing things, but you can actually link them together. So bounce Ooh. pad, just you put it on any surface, horizontal, flat, vertical, like upside down, and you hit it and it acts like a bumper. Just boom, just bumps you away from it. They have a crash pad, which is like the uh, stunt person dive onto the yep. big balloon pad. Oh, uh, sure. But it'll let you bounce really far hmm. uh, and keep you safe when you hit the ground. Like you won't take damage. And then they have the jump pad, which is like a giant, like a fucking high tech trampoline that launches you in the air and you pop out your glider and you glide. Is that like those like the, those gymnastic launchers that those launch oh, pads yeah. for like leap tricks and stuff? Kind of. But, but super Super, yeah. 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 Not <laughs> necessarily momentum based. Like when Are you there hit vehicles? it, it a lot of vehicles. <laughs> so there's like driving around and stuff in Fortnite too. I wasn't yeah, sure they, if that was just a PUBG thing or I don't. I don't they, play. They added it kind of recently. So not every car, because the cars you can't drive have a boot on them, and you can see it physically. Like you can't get in the car oh. and drive around. It's booted. Huh. But they, it, that car might not boot booted the next time you jump into a game because mm. they randomize which ones you can and can't drive. But you can drive a semi truck. You can drive a car. You can drive a pickup truck and have it's people like hanging out on the back. And stuff. We we messed around with that. Yeah. Is the driving um, fun in Fortnite too, or is it? It's pretty fun, especially because every car has a nitro boost. Because <laughs> it's just so easy to screw up driving in a it's, game. It right? feels fun. I only, I personally only like to drive like a pickup truck because it can drive on grass. Right. Well, speaking without... of driving, the uh, like the whole point of Rocket League is that it has good movement. Yeah. Oh man. What yeah, little like Rocket League, League I've Talk played. Talk about played perfecting like video game movement. Holy crap. Yeah. I've only played like four matches, but all the whole time I'm like, man, this is really responsive, really tight. 
the things uh, you can do in Rocket League are incredible. People do some cool stuff. Um, yeah. And then, like, you know, other vehicles and, like, the Batmobile and Arkham Knight, I thought was a lot of fun. I know not everyone agrees. Sure, but sure. there was something really exciting and satisfying about driving the Batmobile. But then just, like, if you have a controller driving mm-hmm. in Cyberpunk or, like, L.A. Noir, there is, like, a satisfaction of unlocking a cool, like, sports car or, like, the Akira yeah. bike or something in, like, these open-world games that have different cars for you to get access to. Getting a cool car and driving it around a world that just freely is a lot of fun, especially if the driving is fun. Uh, the reason why I say, say who just with a controller, GTA. yeah. One of the reasons I say with a controller specifically in some games is keyboard and mouse doesn't always translate well to the subtleties of driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember playing LA Noir on PC, and eventually I gave up and only ever had my partner drive because if you hit left, it was full left. There was no feathering it. It was just full 90 degree left turn right now the moment you push the button and it was just some of the you're like i'm a policeman (laughs) into all the other cars have you ever gotten to play with those like racing rigs um at like arcades and stuff i've done some like driving games that's something we had at black ice that was really impressive because i wasn't very good at it but we had players who would come in and that was the only way they played and so something like gran turismo or Forza Horizon, like, those games translate exceptionally well to right. these, like, steering wheel rigs and stuff and the shifting and all that. And it's it's really impressive how technical that stuff can get. Yeah, I've, I haven't done much driving. Like, I've, I think the last driving game I put a lot of time into was, like, Need for Speed Underground 2, so it's been a hot minute. Some I played really a good. ton of the Burnout games, like Burnout yeah. 3 and 4 on PlayStation 2. Those were fun. But even just, like, driving around and, like, that's the only thing I would do when I played GTA is just drive. You know, it's fun to, like, follow traffic laws and stuff in those games. Yeah. In in Um, almost, like, the opposite sort of mindset, though, like, something I never thought I would, like, do in a video game is while playing Red Dead Redemption 2, I would just go for walks. mm. Because there's just so much to see. You just get engrossed in this world and you'd just be like... I'm just going to go go for a hike. And you're just like walking along this road, seeing things, saying hi to people. Yep. It's such an engrossing world that they that Rockstar developed for Red Dead Redemption 2. And it's just sort of nice to walk in that game. It's weird. Like, I tell you what, if it wasn't for the nightmare creatures living in the forest, Sons of the Forest would be very similar. Because I, oh, yeah. I like screwed up the game somehow or something because it's an early access. And so none of the monsters were spawning outside of a very particular location. And so I was just running around the island just <laughs> on a nature hike. And it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Cannibal home. Yeah. You know, there's one sure part it of it nice. that's scary as hell. But the part I was in was really nice and pleasant. It's like birds <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, I think <clears throat> the last one to really like break into is one that you have alex and that's like mounts in games yeah, and generally like mm-hmm. horses things that you ride and i, I think Yoshi. the big one for me as a kid was gaining surf in pokemon yep like the idea of riding your water pokemon across the ocean to who like to islands and to get like legendary like pokemon like it was such an exciting thing and it opened up 
traversal and new paths and new areas of the map and you could backtrack easier and just like you're riding on your blast toys across the yep. ocean and there's just like this sense of adventure to it that i had as a child and uh like choosing which pokemon to teach that move to as well felt important because you couldn't delete it once you taught it so it was right. sort of a big deal once you it's put it decision. on there um but you know as they developed the remakes of silver and gold the the uh the sprite of your pokemon was actually the one on screen it wasn't just a generic swim pokemon right it was right. it wasn't just lapras that yeah. you may or may not have <laughs> yeah. ever had in the yeah. game <laughs> um but it was just always like a really cool sense of adventure to ride your pokemon mm-hmm. uh, you had the bicycle and stuff but nothing quite like nothing made me feel more attached to a pokemon than having it follow me around or riding it across the ocean <laughs> As a 10-year-old. But something I've always really been intrigued by is just the amount of different types of mounts in MMOs. Something like Warcraft and Final Fantasy XIV and what have you. Like, I would argue that might be one of the most appealing parts of the game. Because you'd go through these really hard quests and be able to ride a dragon. Or like a cool demon horse or a fat cat (laughs) in Final Fantasy XIV. And so like... I, I love that sort of thing as a cosmetic choice, right? Like you're, you know, you're going into battle on your steed yeah. and just having different types of mounts aside from horses. I've always thought was interesting. I really liked the, uh, the Warhammer novels back in the day. And there's the Malice Darkblade Drukai character who rode a giant lizard that ate horses. <laughs> so his mount <laughs> ate other mounts. It was like a really cool, fun concept for like an anti-hero. And- yeah, that's pretty cool. But just like in general, the sheer number of games that use horse mm-hmm. as a mode of tr- like travel that's faster to get to get places, you know, The Witcher, Red Dead Redemption, Legend of, of Zelda, mm-hmm. like Red it's Dead. just so cool. Rust, yeah, Rust. <laughs> just like a horse is a big deal in video games in a way that it hasn't been for most people for a long time. As far as, like, by comparison to real life, right. yeah. But it is, like, it is sort of, like, this, like, bygone era, this reach into this experience, even just the taste of, like, riding a horse across feudal Japan yeah. in Ghost of Tsushima is an experience. That's super it's beautiful. Cool. And it's cool, and you, you get to, like, select a horse in some games and, and name it and take care of it, and there, it becomes a companion in a lot of ways, in a way that a car might not or a glider right yeah did you ride a were you able to ride a horse for a while in phantom pain yeah there's a horse in pain i think that's right yeah because i mean metal gears movement's all about sneaking crawling Mm -hmm. you know cardboard boxing (laughs) but you get that little bit of time in the open world of phantom pain that you're on a horse just can't you slide down a hill in in the box (laughs) (laughs) So there's so many weird shit things you can do that aren't like a lot <laughs> of saying, people don't do. There's another mode game of I travel cardboard myself up to. <clears throat> well, because in four they added the ability to use rusted shot up barrels like cardboard boxes, and you could flip it sideways and roll. Hilarious. <laughs> and you could, if you caught somebody off guard, you could roll and knock their ass out and get out of your barrel and like fucking loot them and like tie them up. That's and a get back game in your I barrel and keep rolling. Add to my Steam Deck list is Metal Gear Solid 2, because that's the next one on my... Because I streamed the entirety of the first <clears> one. 
at some point, I got to sit down and stream you all the entirety of the oh, yeah. second one. <laughs> I didn't even think about just the, walk, the walking mechanic in uh, Death Stranding. Yeah. Like the that whole, whole system. The in whole itself. game is how do we game? Like how do we gamify walking? Yep. And he did it, <laughs> mad lad. But there are a lot of games where movement's the whole point, mm-hmm. and it's interesting, like Super how expressive that can be, and Split how relaxing it can be. Portals. Split gate was really cool. Yeah, that's still going strong. People still play that. It is. It's it's actually been picking up steam lately. I've been like. This, I thought this was just going to be a weird little niche, like, early access type thing forever, and it, like, has got some good popularity. Yeah, I, I was really impressed when it first hit early access. I could only imagine how much I would like it now. Uh, is there anything, like, last couple of things, because we've been going for a little bit, and I do have a bonus segment for you guys that I think uh, is going to be a lot of fun. <clears throat> last last little, like, rapid fire yeah, yeah, yeah. things I can think of is, you know, like, you get movement, like I brought up horses in Rust, like the helicopters in Rust, there's two kinds, like the little mini gyrocopter, which you find a lot of players use because they're quick and small. But then they have this giant big rust bucket that's just bulky and funky, but you can haul 20, 30 people in it. Sick. It's just funky and hard to fly. The flying <laughs> is very difficult until you get very used to it. Unless you're right. like a pro airplane, like gyro game type player, like it's not an easy task and that, that sort of reminds me of like the movement options in like far cry or just cause oh yes. sure where really you have to access to of. all these different vehicles and gliders and parachutes and things that you can do some fun stuff in those games and then i guess the only other thing that i would tack on real quick is like uh abilities in games because you get like kingdom hearts like the triangle like reflex command whatever it was yeah. actually called being able to like jet yourself across fucking battlefields and like, mm-hmm. change position, like cinematic. Oh battle. yeah, getting because that would just getting glide in the like even the first Kingdom Hearts is so that was fun. fun. Yep, I forgot about that. Actually, <laughs> this whole time I forgot like, about you, you get can glide do that. and you're like, holy crap, I can do anything now. <laughs> you feel so powerful when you can just fl- basically fly. Yeah, and then, like, back down, because we tapped on it just briefly when we were talking about grapples, but it's, like, uh, the first thing that came to mind was, like, the abilities to of movement for, like, characters in, like, Smite. Uh, mm, yep. Because my, my play style is not necessarily normal or meta. I like using most of the things that I play in that game specifically to just be a harassy bastard. Right. Until everybody freaks out and loses their composure, and then we can, like, capitalize on things. But for instance, Scylla, uh, it's a ma- mage god. You can use her third ability power, which pops up a little dog and looks around. But you can teleport to it. You can just pull yourself to that dog location. And then they have, like, blink stones. So when you're in, like, places with lots of walls, you can blink through a wall, throw your dog somewhere, wait for the enemy to show up, pop the enemy with the power, and then port yourself back to your dog and just fucking keep on rolling through stuff. There's some really cool, like, MOBA movement and Smite. I mean, characters like Janus, who's a teleport portal wizard guy. Uh, There's all sorts of characters that leap beyond walls. I mean, you can fly in that game with even early characters like Thor. I like Smite a lot. We should play more Smite. I always say this about Smite, but we should play more Smite. We've we've been playing a lot. Uh, our buddy our buddy Ace is back in our fold of stuff, and Ooh. his ass is on Hawaii time, so he plays all fucking night long. Like after <laughs> sure. we're all done yeah. playing like Destiny or whatever, like he plays Smite till like I wake up. 
Because I always it's... pop in every now and again just to see the new gods and stuff. But uh, the last like movement thing I want to give a really specific mention to is just dashing in any video game, especially if you can chain that with like a jump to get more momentum or multiple dashes in a row. Yeah, like a like a I dodge or a dash. Like Hades yeah. has a really yeah, good. Yeah, well, dodge, I'm thinking things mechanic. like Mega Man X. Some of the Castlevanias have a straight up dash. A lot of the 2D platformers that echo that style. Like, just the movement in a classic Mega Man X where you, you like, you dash and jump and you're faster with that than just a regular dash. Like, all of that stuff is very cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, like Hollow Knight comes is my Hollow first Knight, pick yeah. in that all the time because it feels so good to move around in that mm-hmm. game. So, are we, uh, one last little comment. Are we all in agreement that one mode of travel that pretty much almost always sucks in video games is swimming? Yeah, I've like all pl- momentum. Like, there's a couple comes games I can mention. Like, like ukulele, uh, impossible layer has a pretty good swimming mechanic. It's just uh, so hard because you want it to feel floaty and slow yeah. and sluggish, like water does. But all of your momentum just immediately, like compared to other levels, like I know very few people that are like, oh yes, a water level. <laughs> I I I'm in total agreement with that. Unless you put Minecraft in it, mm. because in Minecraft, water travel is like the fucking creme de la creme. <laughs> really? Yeah, because, okay, so back when we played a lot, you, yeah. water sucked. You couldn't move through water much. Now they added an actual swimming thing. So when you go into water, you crouch button, and you go into swim mode, and you move fast. Huh. But then they also have... um something to do with trident so i'm guessing it's an enchant power i can't remember to fucking save my life because i haven't used it like properly but there's a thing where you can like eat like a copy of your trident and you you eat your fucking self all the way through the water like you need to go to the other side of a massive fucking ocean you just get in the water and just (laughs) and when it wears off you just do it again where they really try to focus in on like underwater stuff because what was that sea of songs by Insomniac is like a little tiny Metroidvania they made. This new one called Pronte just came out is entirely underwater, I believe. There's a really popular There's one Subnautica. too. Subnautica is Subnautica one. Subnautica is I think very much underwater. Well. It's just in general, swimming in video games is Usually. not fun. Yeah, in the opposite of Usually a grappling you can't hook. Even those swim. Are the, it's those like are oh, the you're two dead. different That's water. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm Sonic. Forget about it. Water. <laughs> hate, hate water levels in Sonic. But I've got a bonus segment for you guys, and I think Ooh, this is going to be a lot of fun. These I've are called fun. it travel expenses. Uh-huh. I've taken some, some video game modes of travel, some popular ones, and calculated, did some research, and found the costs of those modes of travel. Oh, so what? What? Basically, the game that you guys are going to try and do is who can get closest. I don't even care if you're over; it's just whoever can get closest will win the point or whatever. I've got a few modes of travel here, um, and you're going to guess the an up if there's an upfront cost and then and the annual cost total. So, hmm. like one year of ownership of this thing, how much does it cost to own and operate and have this as a mode of travel? So, for example, if we're thinking horses, you got to factor in like feed and space right. and all that, and okay. and the upfront cost of buying a horse, okay, which is perfect because the first one is horse. Mm. 
So me being a rural person, I know that the upfront costs can vary wildly. What type of horse are we talking here? I just took like an average. Okay, regular old horse. So we're not talking like high level like racing horse that no. could be like a few million dollars. We're just talking or about like, like pawn shop I'm going to ride this horse, horse. in town. <laughs> regular horse, a median. How much is how much would a horse be? They're expensive. I'm going to say $2,000 to just initially purchase an average horse intended okay. for riding. And then what I'm going to say something something more like 4 or 5. What about the annual costs? Ooh, the annual. I'm going to say it's like 15 grand. <clears throat> I'm going to say it's like 40. Okay. So what is your what is your total guess? Both numbers combined? Uh, what did I 45 say? 45 grand. 45 grand. And I think did you I say- said 2 and 15. Yeah, so I'm going to say 17,000 total. Okay. The upfront cost of a, the average horse. <laughs> Nine thousand dollars. What? Yep. <laughs> I, I fucking thought I lowballed it, but damn, I didn't think it was that much. <laughs> the annual cost, and granted, this is just what I've grabbed in a quick research. I, this could be wildly off and wildly changed depending on where you are and what your needs are. But what I found was the annual cost was eight thousand dollars, bringing the total oh. to seventeen thousand dollars. Alex, you Hot freaking damn. nailed it. I got there. I got there exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah. Horse. So the next one also is going to be sort of like averaged, generalized, because it can vary wildly, but a sports car. Ooh. Also a popular popular mode of transportation in video games. Getting a cool sports car. flip, in my opinion. I think the annual cost and the upkeep of a sports car is going to be way cheaper than the upfront cost. I think it's the other way. Really? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just, so we're, it's we're, just we're talking one year, not total no, lifespan. No, but no, are we talking like sports cars like Lamborghini Land, or are we talking like we're viable talking, by like your average person, but it's still a sports car? High end, but not like in luxury, but not like the the top of the top. Like we're not F1 racing or like this one is a of consumer a kind level. Things. This is definitely like achievable by a person. Okay, so I'm gonna say forty thousand up front. And four thousand annual for a total of forty-four thousand average. Okay. And I'm gonna say seventy thousand up front with a total of three thousand annual for like seventy-three thousand dollars. Okay. Upfront cost of a sport of the average sports car is a hundred thousand dollars. No way. <laughs> I told you it was gonna be higher in the front Holy end. Holy shit, those and are the, nice cars. The annual expenses, this is increased insurance. Probably higher grade of fuel to keep the engine clean. I didn't fucking think about fuel uh, and insurance. The, insurance is a big because part of uh, sports cars tend to be lower production models. Getting parts for them tend to be specialized and more expensive. Right, right. The annual yeah. cost is nine thousand seven hundred dollars. Jeez. Total of one hundred nine thousand dollars on average. Or you can spend ten dollars <laughs> for a PS4 copy of Gran Turismo Seven. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach takes this one, who was still like. Thirty thousand dollars <laughs> under. Now this I was thinking of things like a Mitsubishi Lancer <laughs> sports car. <laughs> uh, the next one is interesting, and the reason I pulled this one is I, I was thinking of the fast travel in Spider Man, where you just uh-huh. take the the subway. Oh, the sure. New York City subway. What do you think is the annual cost of using the New York City subway as your 
mode of transportation. I imagine we're not thinking about the upfront cost of buying a subway. You do not need to buy a subway. Five dollar foot long <laughs> to ride $6? the subway. We're in a deep, troubling situation with inflation. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to take my sandwich subway? to work. I'm going to say three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars, like total. Are we talking like a regular subscription? to like yeah, a New this York is, subway. You use it like daily. Yeah, okay, I'm going to say 300. I'm going to say 1200. All right. Upfront cost of a subway is $0. You don't need to purchase a subway, it's already there. <laughs> you can buy a monthly pass, like a 1 month pass, unlimited rides, and for 12 months of that is $1,524. So Zach took this one too. I was thinking $100 a month-ish. All right. The See, that final one for me. I feel like you can get away with far cheaper than that. Well, probably. I, I compared it to, like, the DC Metro, because if you buy oh, a day okay. pass there, it's 30 bucks. but you could probably buy a month pass in bulk for much cheaper. I mean, much cheaper yeah. on the overall, it's but still expensive. $30 to ride the subway for a day? Like, that's unlimited, but otherwise it's, like, $3 per stop, and that's going in and getting out. So Oof. that's three Yeesh. in, three out. Yeah. Gross. So it's always like if you're gonna take more than two subway fucking stops, like you, you I buy the just whole get the day, day pass. Yeah. I felt so fortunate to have most of my metro experience being <clears throat> in the Twin Cities, where everything is connected under one big umbrella. M dot, like MN dot, Department of Transportation, kind of runs everything and coordinates it all. And you buy one ticket, and it's good for unlimited rides for two and a half hours. And it's like unlimited rides, unlimited stops for two and a half hours, and it was like two dollars. Yeah. And you could buy a mm-hmm. monthly pass that would save you on average like $500 if you bought it for 150 200 bucks. Right. And again, unlimited stops, unlimited rides to anywhere in like not just the Twin Cities, but almost all of its suburbs too. It's cool. it's a wildly cohesive and well-plotted and affordable like transportation option. Like as I a poor even... college student, it was perfect. Yeah. I have no experience when it comes to public transportation. I have a lot of anxiety when I'm like on a bus or a subway or something. That's what because I'm just for. not used to it, man. <laughs> That's what the 3ds was for. Just like I'm gonna ignore everybody. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it was. I I didn't have any problem with it, and I walked a lot of places during that time. But yeah, we had a good, and it was culture shock. Well, not culture shock, but it was just sort of sticker shock when I went to Chicago for C2E2. Sure. And I got on a bus. And the ticket I bought was good for that one bus and that one stop. And to get to where I needed to go was a, nu- a second bus who was owned by a different private company. So my ticket wasn't good for that bus. Right. And I was like, what is happening? And it was like $12 to get <laughs> to get there. And I'm like, tomorrow I'm walking. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'll just hoof it. So, all right. So the, I've got one more here, the final one. And you guys better appreciate Jetpack. What I did. Airplanes. It's jetpack. Yeah. And like I a water did, jetpack? I had to do some digging for some of this information and I had to sit down and do like 10 to 15 minutes worth of math. <clears throat> yes. To calculate this. <laughs> Joe bleeds for this podcast. <laughs> so what do you think is the upfront cost of a jetpack? It's a dummy special, so it's gonna have to be something like 80, 90 grand. Right, but is it is it more complex and expensive than an average sports car based on our previous answer of hundred K? 
I, to I'm just think it's one? in the same ballpark. Now we're talking about the ones that like has a water intake, and you no, like, I'm talking about straight up st- pilotable oh. jetpacks that are legal in some places oh. to just use. That's different. I'm gonna say this some bitch is like four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars up front. <laughs> you know what? I might it might be, be on board with that. over a million. To be honest, like this is a very specific piece of tech. Is there an annual cost for this one as well, Joe? Yes. Uh, this is where oh, I yeah. had to do all the math. Okay. It's probably fucking jet fuel. You'll be surprised. I'm going to say 200000 Okay. What do you got, Zach, uh, for the upfront cost of a jet pack? I, you know what? I'm going to upfront it at something like $200K. I'll, I'll go on the low side here. Ooh, okay. Upfront, like okay. 200K. Interesting. So I found a jet pack. That has th- you depending on the engine that you buy, you can do run. It can run kerosene or diesel. What? Why? <laughs> what? In the, what the fuck would they even still try to run kerosene these days? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that's, that's just what it was for like eighty year olds on a farm trying to light lanterns in the this, middle of summer. This is just the information that I found on one specific like model of jetpack, <laughs> or for this same target audience that wants to go out with a bang <laughs> yeah so i used diesel okay because i could look that up local diesel for me here in this area is three dollars and 90 cents per gallon uh-huh with that information how much do you think the annual cost of a jetpack is well considering that uh i'm gonna say that it's Oh, diesel. Let's see. Are we using the jetpack? I'm going to say $600. Yes. I'm I'm assuming you're using this for your daily commute of 20 miles one way. (laughs) I'm going to say $800. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to add in like an annual of like, I don't know what we're going to like, five gallons at fucking five bucks. I'm going to throw somewhere in the fucking ballpark of like, Two grand, not even no, probably. Did probably we? More than we that. haven't covered say, like, the upfront three cost, grand. Yet, have we? Yeah, that's what we were trying to. Well, we no, haven't said what it we is. haven't. I, you that put hasn't in your bet. I don't know if I've told you yet. We, yeah, we. I was saying two. We've established that it's a diesel. Yeah. Annual cost. That's what we know. And that <laughs> yeah, it's I'm two hundred grand plus like fucking eight grand in gas. <laughs> okay. Locked in your answers. Uh-huh. The upfront cost of this jetpack that I looked at was $340,000. Oh, I'm pretty close. <laughs> so this is where all the math comes in. If a gallon of diesel is $3.90 and it has a tank capacity of 5.8 gallons, that's $22.62 of per tank. And that's 10 minutes of flight time. Oh, that means an hour of flight time costs one hundred and thirty five dollars and seventy two cents. I think Alex got this. It can go one hundred and twenty miles per hour. Holy shit. (laughs) If you have a 20 mile one way daily commute, that roughly equals ten thousand four hundred annual miles. Via jetpack. Ten thousand four hundred annual miles at one hundred twenty miles per hour equals eighty six point six six hours per year, which results in eleven thousand seven hundred sixty two dollars of annual fuel costs for going to work on that with your jetpack. 
Now, does it? Here's here's the advantage of being on a jetpack, though. Say you work in a met, metrop, metropolitan area, and your job is on the 82nd floor, and it takes you 40 minutes because of all the just traffic to get to work. <laughs> they could just put a little perch on there, like a birdhouse. Just land just on the helicopter pad there, on the roof. Pop in there. Go to work. <laughs> I feel like if you could afford a jetpack, you probably don't need to go to work, though. Probably. <laughs> you can probably work from your house. You probably don't have to work at all at that point. So the total is $351,762. I mean, I still think I beat you because I'm at four twenty five eight hundred. dollars Yeah, I think you just beat me by like twenty grand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was good though. We were like on either side of it, just which yeah. I which I think means we have a tie, but I don't have a tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like thinking about this. I'm like, well, I wonder what the cost would be of popular modes of transportation in video games to have in real life, and of course, like you know, horse and sports car and yeah, the subway sense. are pretty. Dope. But then I was like, who? can you get a jetpack? Could just like have a jetpack? And I started looking into it and I couldn't find any information on the annual cost of a jetpack, just the like upfront cost. So then I had to find the fuel capacity, how fast it flew. <laughs> like, so I had to grab all these bits of information and do a bunch of math to get that answer. And I'm glad now, I did. If you wanted to I... fly at a <laughs> fraction of the cost, you can get a wingsuit for like 1500 bucks. Yeah. But how do you get high? Well, that's, that's uh, well, depending on what state you're in. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next thought is, well, how much is one of those squirrel suits? <laughs> but yeah, that was our segment. <clears throat> Travel expenses. Fun. Good job, guys. Yeah, that was cool. Great topic this week, man. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Of course, we want to thank everybody for coming around and listening to us here on the Forever Classic Podcast. And if you want to check us out, you know, be sure to look us look us up on Twitter, Patreon, uh, catch our YouTube, which we've been populating a lot more recently, and mm-hmm. it's got some really good stuff there. Uh, we've got quite a few views on some things, which spiked surprisingly. Not because we were surprised, but we were we just didn't have a lot on our YouTube. So cool, thanks algorithm. Yeah, um, Reese versus the algorithm. Reese is winning <laughs> so yeah, far. Reese is, Reese is like fucking coming in with sucker punches on that thing. Yeah. Oh, we'll take it. Um, you know, we've got, we're out there on so much of the different social media. You can catch our podcast, the one that you're listening to now, wherever you're listening to it on pretty much anything. And if not, tell us because it should be on pretty much everything. Question mark. As far as I know. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of weird corner shit that we might not have, but that's different. Um, we want to thank you. Say we love you. You're great. Come back for more. Tell us if you want us to do some cool stuff, because, you know, we're always open to ideas and we're chatty. Do you own a jetpack and know how much it costs annually and I'm way off? Let me know. And would like to have us over <laughs> for dinner? I would be terrified. Don't put me 100 feet in the air. Piloting. Uh, I would absolutely do those water jetpack things. I th- I feel like that's a reasonable goal. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not overly scared of heights. I don't like the going down part. Yeah, see, I'm I not guess scared that's... of heights either. I'm scared of my ability to pilot a jetpack. I'm not overly Fair. terrified of mine. 
I think I would do okay. Because I don't think I would do, like, skydiving. I could probably be convinced, but I'd be afraid I'd muck it up somehow. Skydiving, like, I would jump at a do. weird angle or something. Skydiving, you just fall. I sure. can do that. But if, <laughs> <laughs> if survival is dependent upon my ability to, to steer yeah. in the air... Count me out. I don't even like steering on the ground. I don't like For driving. skydiving, I'd be terrified I'd like black out halfway through. <laughs> just unconscious. You're just like on, on the, the ground. ground. <laughs> You're on the ground. Woo! That was fun. <laughs> but yeah, wow. we've got a lot of cool stuff planned. And now that I've moved again and have like a full battle station, like there's some <laughs> really cool stuff coming on the website side. Yep. That and we're... Working on reviving some Twitch stuff, but that's like yeah, some, some stuff in the works because <laughs> we we've been so fucking busy. Well, and also it's been winter in Minnesota, so any of the really cool like tournaments and stuff have been on hiatus for me because I just I don't want to drive through the like freezing snow three hours away to maybe set up at a tournament. Like I want to make sure it's a definite. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, hop you on want... your snowmobile, Alex, and head on I hate down. Those snowmobiles, they smell like yeah, you want definites. I got fucking like decade and change old equipment yeah right so. um thankfully all of my equipment here for streaming is actually pretty okay i need a new <laughs> camera one of these days but there yeah. you go well thanks for listening everybody mm-hmm. yeah bye